You're on EducateForLife.com radio with Kevin Conover. And if you listen long enough, your faith will become... I'm tired of being conned. Don't worry, the con is over, Shay. We're now at DEFCON 1. Did you say carnivore or carnivore? Would you like to have a conversation with Kevin? Then call 800-243-9719. And now, here's your host, Kevin Conover. Bring your tired and bring your shame. Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover, and uh, we are streaming live today. And uh, I'm very excited about today's show. Somebody I really respect is our guest today, Bill Wells, Mayor Bill Wells of El Cajon here in Southern California. And we're going to be talking about El Cajon has been in the news because um, not too long ago, they actually put a ban on feeding the homeless. And you hear that and you go, what? How is that possible? How could anybody do that? But what a lot of people don't know is there's quite a few cities across the country that at one time or another have placed a ban on feeding the homeless in parks. And this is actually a quote from uh, the Alpha Project. This is uh, Chief Operating Officer. Alpha Project, if you don't know, is a big group that actually um, reaches out to the homeless and finds, way to, wa- finds ways to help them. The Chief Operating Officer said uh, this quote. She said, stop giving homeless panhandlers money. Um, she said it's at, it's not helping. And so, you know, this issue is a little bit more complex than sometimes we recognize. We see somebody that's that's hungry and hurting and we immediately go, well, I want to reach out to them. I want to help them. But sometimes uh, there are unforeseen consequences uh, and things going on behind the scenes that we maybe don't recognize. And so I thought it would be useful to bring Mayor Bill Wells onto the program today. Thank you for being here, Mayor. I really appreciate it. Hi, Kevin. How are you? I'm doing great. And um so um, I know you personally, which is great, too, and I uh, really have a lot of respect hearing your testimony, your love for the Lord, and uh, just how God has moved in your life. We're going to talk about that, too, so stick around. We're going to talk a little bit about what happened in El Cajon and what was going on there, but we're also going to talk to Bill about his personal walk with Christ and uh, how that impacts his politics. How does that affect being a mayor? And, um, you know, I'm sure there are some uh, public uh, servants out there who think to themselves, you know, how much of my Christianity should I be bringing to my public service? And I think that's an important question we have to ask, too, as um, people who have a faith in God, a faith in Christ, and are also working in public office. So, uh, Mayor, um, El Cajon was all over the news. I mean, not just local news, but it was like I read that the BBC, uh, the British news, was actually reporting on what was happening in El Cajon. Were you, like, purposely trying to get publicity for El Cajon? No, not, a, not at all. In fact, <laughs> we, I saw something from the Russian news agency oh, wow. as well. I think it's really El important. El Cajon is on the map. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, you know, here, here's what I want to say right off the bat so that people understand. The reason we banned feeding of the homeless in the parks was because San Diego was in the midst of a hepatitis A emergency. And so, the, so what does that mean? Hepatitis A, what, what, how dangerous is hepatitis A? Hepatitis A is pretty dangerous. We have had 20 people die um, already from this disease in San Diego County this year. About one in 10 people who contract the disease will die. Um, wow. Me, and even if you don't die, you could be chronically ill for the rest of your life. It's, it's a very, very serious. It affects your disease. liver. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, 
Yeah, so hepatitis A outbreak. And so how do, what, what's the concern there as far as feeding the homeless? So here's the deal. Hepatitis is spread from a fecal to oral contact. I probably didn't want to talk about it on, oh, on yeah. your show. but yeah, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so what happens is the homeless people oftentimes are the people most affected by the hepatitis A uh, outbreak. because, And that's the case in San Diego this year. And the reason is, is because they're not washing their hands properly. They're not using bathroom facilities to use the, use the bathroom. They're going into the bushes and the grasses. And we had a, a lot of homeless people that were congregating in one of the parks, which coincidentally was called Wells Park. No relation to me. Oh, okay. That's not named after you. I was wondering whether that was like a relative or something. Though. No, no, just, just a, a strange coincidence. Yeah. Um, but the health department told us, look, any, t- any place you have where homeless people are congregating, you're going to have a lot more hepatitis A. We had people feeding the homeless in the parks. Now, these are well-meaning folks, yeah. mostly churches. Yeah. They, they were coming in and feeding the people in the parks. But they would bring their boxes, and they would put the boxes of food down in the grass, which was contaminated. The homeless would be sitting in the grass with their hands on the grass, which was contaminated. Then putting the hands in their mouths and handing food to each other. And we realized that if we wanted to take this hepatitis A emergency seriously— we needed to temporarily stop the feeding of the homeless in the parks. This made absolute sense to us. I saw no reason not to do it, but the organized left uh, became very focused on this because, as you said, other cities have tried to stop the feeding of the homeless for various reasons. Yeah. And they've challenged that in court, and it's a big uh, battle line for the pro-homeless, the, the pro-homeless rights groups. So they weren't going to give an inch on this. Very similar to the abortion debate. Yeah. Now, now I just want to clarify for our li- listeners. It's not as if you're, quote, anti-homeless, right? I mean, um, your own testimony speaks to uh, uh, what you've been through as a person, too. And um, so explain to us, what when you say pro-homeless, um, what's the... I mean, we're, aren't we both uh, pro-homeless, in a sense? Well, that's a good point. Um, there is an organized group of folks that are pro-homeless rights. And so these are the same people that, like every year, California tries to pass a homeless bill of rights, which would say that cities have to allow people to put tents up on sidewalks. They have to allow people to sleep wherever they want to sleep. They have to pay for bathrooms every thousand feet so that that the homeless can use them. And basically, it's this kind of permissive concept that people have a right to do anything they want. They can sleep wherever they want. They can commit any crimes they want to commit to to a degree. And that's really the road that California has been going down. Mm, and the, okay, so this is a a left versus or a, or a liberal versus conservative kind of uh, position. In this instance, yes. <clears throat> I mean, I, I think you're right. I think most people have opinions on homelessness that have nothing to do with ideology. Mm. But um, the organized left, the, the, you know, I'm talking about the Occupy Wall Street type folks, yeah. the Antifa type folks, yeah. the Black Lives Matter type folks. These are the folks that are, are really focused on it, and it, it, it's a, a seminal issue for them. Yeah, and so th- I think that that's an important distinction is because um, both conservatives and liberals, in a sense, would call themselves pro-homeless, but the, the, well, the question we're, is... We're all is, pro-people. Exactly, I mean, <laughs> we're pro-people, but what we're trying to do is um, <clears throat> conservatives generally have one view about how we can best help these people versus another group that says, hey, the best way you can help them is keep letting them live on the streets yeah, uh, and I, so forth. First off, I, I want to say it from the beginning that 
the concept of trying to help people live on the streets is one of the most backwards, cruel concepts I could possibly imagine. Oh, yeah. Most people who are living on the streets are deeply involved in drug and alcohol addiction. And by the way, I say this because I've spent my adult life in mental health. I, I'm a doctor of psychology. I have an RN. I've worked in uh, emergency rooms for the past 25 years doing psychiatric evaluations. I think I've seen about 75,000 people. Wow. Uh, most of those, well, I won't say most, many of those were homeless. And um, so you know what you're talking about. This isn't just somebody, uh, 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 you know, just coming up with an idea on their own. Uh, you, you have experience. No, I do, drug, I do drug screens on every person that comes into the hospital asking for psychiatric intervention. Okay. You ask any ER doctor, any cop, any firefighter how much drug use is in the homeless population, and they will tell you it's probably about 90 to 100%, somewhere in that line. Whereas most of the national uh, homeless organizations will tell you it's something more like 25 or 30 percent. There's a lot of reasons for that. But going back to my original point, trying to find ways to validate the homeless lifestyle and say as if it's a good thing, say, hey, you know, any way you want to live is great. Well, it's not great. And I'll give you uh, since I have more time to talk than I usually do on something. I'm going to give you an analogy. Okay. You're a father, right? Yeah. So one of your kids comes to you and says, Dad, here's the deal. Um, I, I don't want this lifestyle that, that you're pushing on me. I'd like to use crystal meth, and I'd like to prostitute myself out, and all I need is 1500 bucks a month, and you promise to leave me alone and say nothing to me and just let me do whatever I want to do. Hey. Um, does it... If you say yes to that, does that make you a good father or a bad father? <laughs> Obviously bad. Well, I would agree with you, but that's what the United States government is doing. If you come to the United States government and you say, I don't want to live by your rules. I don't want a job. I don't, I don't want a house. I don't want <clears throat> to be clean and sober. I'd like to use a lot of drugs and alcohol, <clears throat> and I'd like to, to sleep on the streets, and I'd like to abuse the hospital system. <clears throat> Our U.S. government says, fine, we'll give you Social Security um, SSI, get $1,000 a month for that, get another four to $800 a month in food stamps. You can make the rounds of the psychiatric hospitals and come in and out all day long. We, we'll let you put tents on the streets and we'll let you sleep in the parks. We'll let you do whatever you want. The only rules that we have are never get a job because as soon as you get a job, we'll take everything from you. That is nuts. And I cannot imagine a more cruel, horrible thing to do to our citizens, to subject them to a life of of slavery, really. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I've been down, I've, I've gone with uh, ministries actually to feed the poor. There's a Jesus Cares ministry downtown, and these people are living in horrible, horrible conditions. It's not as if this is some fun free-for-all either. And if to encourage that behavior is absolutely awful. Uh, so my guest today is Bill Wells. He's the mayor of El Cajon. He's also a doctor. He's a, a psychiatrist. Uh, psychologist? Psychiatrist. Psychologist. Psychologist. And he's worked uh, extensively with the poor. So we're going to be right back and continue this discussion um, about how do we solve the problem of poverty. We'll be right back. Stay with us.
Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teaching. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. Educate for Life helps you build your life on the rock. LG Equipment helps builders build on good soil. Luke Gibson's team at LG Equipment is your local source for grading, demolition, hauling, and more. Learn about their bulk water services from trucks to tankers to towers at rentwatertower.com. Get your questions answered. Call LG Equipment at 619-988-0924. Learn more at lgequipment.com. 619-988-0924. Do you have one-button espresso machines in your home or business? Business, they make delicious coffee drinks, but they're not maintenance-free. Express Fix Coffee is San Diego's source for coffee and espresso machine repair, sales, and service. Call Dave Martin at Express Fix Coffee for new and used espresso machines, repairs, parts, and accessories. They'll save you time and money. Call Express Fix Coffee at 619-825-3985. Learn more at ExpressFixCoffee.com. How can you live in San Diego and miss out on enjoying the water? Fast Lane Kayaking sells popular Hobie Cat kayaks that you pedal, not paddle. That means your hands are left free for fishing and fun. Just throw these on your roof rack. They're light and they're easy to use and maintain. Just rinse them off. Try one free on a demo ride. For 36 years, Ron and Debbie Lane have served San Diego with fun, family-friendly water sports of all kinds. Learn more. FastLaneSailing.com. 619-222-0766. When you need tires or service, count on Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service in Oceanside for a full range of affordable options in all the brands you trust. See their great customer reviews and special offers online. Hours Tuesday through Friday, 730 to 530, and Saturdays, 730 to 5. Call Dan and his team at 760-439-1631. Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service, 2405 Oceanside Boulevard in Oceanside, 760-439-1631. I will cast my cares on you. Okay, well, we're back. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. You're on Educate for Life Radio, and we are now streaming uh, live, so you can join us on Facebook or YouTube. Also, check out my website if you get a chance, educateforlife.org. We've got all kinds of classes that you can take uh, on the Bible. How do we know the Bible is actually God's word? What about the issues of creation and evolution? What about, uh, you know, how do we know that all the books in the Bible are actually the books that God wanted in the Bible? All those uh, questions that people have or uh, are asking. Today, my guess is, Bill Wells, he is a psychologist and also the mayor of El Cajon, and El Cajon was in the news recently, uh, really all over the world. Uh, we've got the Russians reporting on it, the BBC, and uh, a bunch of uh, national news outlets and also our local news outlets. Um, I, I'm reading from the Union Tribune here. It says here, there are dozens of churches and charities that distribute food regularly in the city of San Diego, where according to a street count last January, almost 62% of the county's 9,116 homeless congregate. Of the 5,619 people counted as homeless in the city, 3,231 of them were unsheltered, sleeping in parks or canyons on the sidewalk in their cars. And um, it looks like we're actually seeing a bit of an increase in the homeless. 
And uh, if you didn't catch last segment, uh, there was a, actually an hepatitis A outbreak that was um, the government was warning people about. And so, uh, you know, Bill was saying, hey, we don't want to spread hepatitis A around. So they shut down feeding the poor. Now, in Matthew twenty five thirty five, it says, this is Jesus talking. It says, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. And so, of course, as Christians, we have a heart for those who are struggling, who are living on the streets. A good friend of mine just bought a whole bunch of sleeping bags for uh, homeless people. Um, I myself have been downtown feeding the hungry. Um, took my my son down there, actually, because I wanted to give him an example and a model of loving others in a practical way that he could do that. And so uh, there's a, a difficult thing here We're we're compassionate towards the homeless. But at the same time, sometimes when you think you're helping people, you might actually be doing them a disservice. And so, Bill, I wanted to talk a little bit more about that. So what what is what is the practical solution here? Um, you've seen you've dealt with, uh, you know, thousands of homeless. And is there a long term solution here? Is there a better way to go about this than than feeding people in the parks? Uh, what are your <coughs> thoughts on that? Well, first off, the reason we asked people to stop feeding the parts was because of hepatitis. Yeah. And there were still over a dozen places a day where people go to, go to get meals. So we were never to say, don't feed the poor. And we're, we're perfectly happy that people are willing to come out. And like the East County Transitional Living Center in yeah. Alcohol gives away 500,000 meals a year. So we're, we're pretty excited. So it's not as if the park's the only place to get food for them. No, there yeah. were, there were over a dozen places plus all the restaurants that take EBT cards. I mean, there, there was, multiple places for people to get food. And frankly, anybody that was feeding homeless people in the park could just go to their local church kitchen or some other place to feed the They were only going to the park because it was convenient for the homeless people to congregate there. Mm. So, it, and by the way, it was only a temporary ban yeah. that was linked to the emergency. And as soon as the emergency was lifted, which was yesterday, we lifted our ban. So, okay. So that ban's all lifted anyway. Yeah, it's done. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, you know, so I, I just, I just want to kind of get away from the rhetoric of saying, we're trying to stop people from feeding the homeless. Not at all. We we were trying to stop people from spreading a disease. Yeah, yeah, but absolutely. I think you asked another question. Though. How, what, what's the solution? That's yeah, right. because how many because, hours I mean, do we have? Yeah, <laughs> everybody's wrestling with this. I mean, it's a big it's a big deal, and everybody's like, you know, like you said, you've got some people saying, "Hey, let's just let them live there." I mean, I believe up in uh, Seattle, Washington, they actually have whole homeless parks with gigantic uh, tent communities. Yeah, and that's that's so. definitely not the answer. Yeah. Um, look, uh, my feelings on this have evolved because over the past few months, probably six months, for some reason, I've kind of become the face of this. Yeah. And um, so I've done a lot of research and study. I'm coming to the conclusion that there's a program, an idea called supportive housing. And this is where cities, every city, uh, builds some supportive housing in their community, a place where people are going to go for free. Yeah. But it's not a temporary uh, shelter. It's not a tent. It's not a place where people come in for a day and then they leave and then they wander around all day and they come back at night. It's actually a small, very small little apartment where somebody can live and they can expect to live there as long as they need that. And the reason we have to do that is because if you want to be completely honest about it, this is where it's important for us to be realistic about the drug abuse. Yeah. If you take all the people that are are drug dependent and have really destroyed their brains because methamphetamines is the main drug and that destroys brains. And the people that are mentally ill that are in the homeless community, a lot of those people are never going to be okay. No matter what you do, they're not going to be able to get jobs. Mm. They're not going to be able to pay for rent. 
And you have two choices. You can either let them sleep on the street or you can find some supportive housing for them. So at least they're clean and they're dry and they're they're doing something. And interestingly enough, um, the city of Houston did this, reduced their homeless population from 11,000 to 3,000. Oh, that's incredible. And did a study and found out that they saved on average $15,000 a year by having them in housing. Now, how's that? How does that work? Because if you're a homeless guy, you're you're going to be going, uh, you get your check on, on the first of the month, you're going to spend it on drugs. And this is very controversial. People were screaming at me for saying this, but you're going to spend it on drugs. And then when you run out of drugs and you're going to be tired and you need a break, you go to a psychiatric hospital and you say, I'm suicidal. They really, there's no there's no test for that, so we have to admit them. Mm-hmm. They spend three days in the hospital. They get out. They go on another few days. They come back. They go to a, the next psychiatric hospital and say, I'm suicidal. And they make the rounds until the first of the month again when they get paid again. And then they have another big binge on drugs. And it's just a repetitive cycle. Every time somebody comes into the hospital, we've got to we've got to admit them. We've and got you're to, treating yeah, them for free. Yeah, we got to do a full full battery of tests, and we're going to do MRIs, and we're going to do all kinds of things because that's what we have to do. Yeah. in the hospitals, and it's just. Well, let me give you an example. Most police departments are deciding that the amount of time that they spend dealing with the homeless is about 30 to 35% of their time. Oh, I had no idea. That's unbelievable. My city spends $17 million a year on its police department. Now we spent, you you can just extrapolate what 35% of $17 million yeah, a year is. Yeah, what is that? Yeah. Right. 17, 17 million times, what do you say? 35%? Yeah. So 17 million times 0.35. So if, um, but you know, you look at a city like San Diego. So you're looking at five million nine hundred fifty thousand just for the small city of El Cajon. I mean, and San Diego's got to be twenty times that. You know, oh yeah, San Diego County is three million. The city yeah. of San Diego, yeah, it's yeah, about I mean, a million. Yeah, about a million. So yeah. they're they're ten times. So they're, you, let's just say that their um, police budget is one hundred fifty million. That that seems it's uh, almost mind boggling. Yeah, you're looking at. Uh, if they're 10 times and they're at 50 million, <laughs> whoa, what a waste of money. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, and you're not really, ultimately, you're not even helping them uh, by, by putting them in this cycle where they're just binging on drugs. And no, it's, it's, and it's a terrible way to, lo- to live. Yeah. They, they, they die early and they get assaulted. They get raped. I mean, it's, it's a... What were you saying about the criminals? You were saying something that a, a large percentage of the homeless are actually... Um, Former criminal. This is another reason why it's so political. Yeah. Because if you look at homelessness and the real reasons for homelessness, a lot of it has to do with the liberal decisions that states like California have made. And California, in their liberal attempt to try to be nice to everybody, is saying, hey, if you're in prison, you probably, you know, a lot of those people are probably uh, there unjustly. So let's rig the system. Let's change the way laws are dealt with. And let's decriminalize things so that that a lot of people are let out let out of prison early. And so there were new laws that came out within the last five years that released a huge amount of prisoners in San Diego County. It's about eight thousand people last year were released from the prisons back into the, back into society without serving their prison sentences, and about ten percent of those people became homeless. Wow. Or, or no, I'm sorry, sorry, that's not quite right. Enough of those people became homeless that about 10% of the homeless population are now criminals. That's the proper statistic. Mm. So you have all these people living on the streets congregating together that... Yeah, so uh, the, 
Yeah. So this concept that that a homeless person is probably a regular guy that lost his job and and you know slipped into poverty and oh the poor guy and now he's homeless and all he needs is a is a clean suit and a and a place to take a shower and he'll go out and get a job. That's not true. It's just not true. It's, it's a myth. Yeah. It's, there's a lot of criminals and there's a lot of drug addicts and it's a violent, nasty, horrible way to live. Oh, thank you. My guest today is Bill Wells, and um, I'm so privileged to have him on the air today. He is uh, an expert on the issue of homelessness, um, both because he's a mayor in El Cajon and also because um, he is a psychologist who's dealt with many, many homeless. And so stay tuned. We're also going to talk about his personal story and how he integrates his Christian faith with uh, his public service as a mayor. We're going to be right back. Before I bring my need, I will bring my heart. Hi, this is Kevin Conover. Will you please donate to Educate for Life so we can share the truth of God's word with kids in public schools? You can donate online at donate to efl.org. The Bible used to be read in public schools on a regular basis prior to the 1960s. But today, most kids are completely clueless when it comes to the content and the historical and scientific accuracy of the Bible. Please help us by donating online at donate to efl.org. Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teaching. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. Hi, I'm Marissa Conover, and I would love to help you buy or sell your home. I've worked as a realtor for more than 13 years, and as a San Diego native, my passion and experience will help make your move as peaceful as can be. Call me at 619-251-1577. That's 619-251-1577. Or visit conoverhomes.com. This is Throughout All Ages Ministry with Joe and Stacy. We would like to equip you to share the gospel with confidence in a biblical and effective way. We would like to teach you through the proclamation of the gospel. Whether you're the skeptic, God who created you said that he has made himself known to you so that you are without excuse. One-on-one evangelism. How do you think you can get to heaven? I've never really thought about it, but I've always thought of, you know, doing good. For more information, go to throughoutallages.com, like us on Facebook, or visit us at YouTube at Throughout All Ages. I'm giving Okay, well, we're back. Uh, thanks for tuning in today. I hope you're enjoying the show. I really am. I'm learning a ton from Bill Wells, the mayor of El Cajon, and a psychologist. And uh, it, it's, an, it's amazing that sometimes, you know, you think you're helping people, but in fact, you're actually making the situation worse. And, uh, you know, in psychology and in and, and, and counseling and so forth, a lot of times they call it enabling, uh, where you're actually causing a person not to find solutions because you're giving them an easy way out, right? Sometimes with our kids... Um, we might make uh, them worse students simply because uh, we're not challenging them to step up to the plate. We're, we're uh, giving them an easy way out. And so we don't want to do that. We want to uh, not just give a person a fish, right? We want to teach them how to fish. And so, uh, Bill, I'm curious to know, I want to give a shout out uh, 
to Tony Kravark. I just saw he liked our video here. Hey, so. Tony. <laughs> Tony is uh, the head of the RNC here in, um, in San Diego. Fantastic guy. And uh, if you want to get involved with them, uh, please do. We have an election coming up. This is an election year. So there's going to be all kinds of people voting, making decisions. And we want leaders that um, value, uh, you know, family values and uh, our Judeo-Christian heritage. And, uh, you know, that's a big part of the reason I like Bill. I heard, I heard him share his testimony one year. And I was blown away just how passionate he was about uh, Jesus Christ and his faith in Jesus Christ. And he talked about how uh, Christ had changed his life. And I thought, um, I, I asked Bill if it would be okay to talk about that on the air here. And so, Bill, I thought, you know, let's pick up here. You do have a passion for the homeless. I mean, you've dedicated your life to helping people and counseling. And then now you're the mayor, you're a public servant. And so um, maybe you could take us back to, you know, how you got started. Uh, you, you grew up in a family that was not Christian. And just share with us, you know, your background. <clears throat> yeah, actually, uh, I grew up in an atheistic household. Um, my family was about as dysfunctional as, as people can get. I grew up in the San Diego era, area over... Um, by Rolando area. Oh, wow. I used to live over there. And um, my dad died when I was eight. He was an alcoholic. He committed suicide. And my mom had problems coping with life after that and pretty much grew up on my own. I, and we lived in poverty. And Did you have brothers and sisters? I had one sister. Okay. And, you know, I'm not going to tell you that it was horrible. I, I didn't really even realize that I was living in poverty at the time. It seemed like how everybody was living. Yeah. Um, we lived in a poor neighborhood. And, and interestingly enough for me, my mom made a really good decision when I was about 13, she moved us to Ranch Bernardo. And I think she thought I was going to end up in prison and she probably was right. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, when I got to Ranch Bernardo, it just changed my, my life because now most of in Rolando, a lot of my friends, kids, dads were in prison or on their way to prison or, and, now I was meeting kids and all their dads were CEOs and CFOs and uh, totally uh, broadened your perspective on, it, on what life was supposed to be like. Well, it did. It gave me a lot more options. And I, and I remember talking to people then saying, what college are you going to go to? And I, I was completely mystified. I said, I'm not going to go to college. I mean, it's just <laughs> not even not even possible. Yeah. And um, it was during that period of time that a friend of mine's father reached out to me. And started talking to me about God, about Jesus and Christianity. And I, I, you know, I said, hey, you know, I'm not, I'm not interested in that. Thanks. Yeah. How old were you when that, when that happened? 16. Yeah. Okay. 16. <clears throat> and, um, but, uh, you know, God was working on, on me at that time and I was reading a lot. I've always been a voracious reader and I, uh, I was, uh, at the same time meeting with, uh, Mr. Brewster and he was explaining to me, who God was and the nature of God. And he was really showing me because even though he was dying of, of a disease, um, that's why he was home. He, he was home because he was sick. Yeah. He was a happy guy. He was, he was just so upbeat and so intelligent. And I oftentimes thought that Christians were a, a little soft in the head, you know, yeah. <laughs> you, you know, very, very pedantic, not, not big thinkers. Yeah. And he was the biggest thinker I had ever met. He had, he was an author. He had been a pastor, he had been a pilot. He had uh, done all kinds of really, really interesting things. He was an attorney. Yeah. And, and, um, he just showed me a different way to look at things. And I, I really looking back on it years later that feel that 
for whatever reason, the God of the universe decided that I was worth going after, and he sent somebody after me. Yeah. Brought me back into the fold, and I was, uh, I'm very pleased and thankful that that happened. So when did you accept Christ? At what point did you, dis- uh, did you turn your life over to Christ? Well, it was a scene stages. Um, I was 17 when I made the decision. Yeah. And then I kind of thought, well, I can just continue to live the way I always lived before. And it was probably when I was, um, I think, 29 that that I I know I had been saved. Yeah. But but when I was 29 where I finally remember getting on my knees and saying, God, I'll do it your way, not my way. Yeah, yeah. So there's the justified and then the sanctified, right? There's the, we accept the Lord, we know the Lord, um, we admit that he's right and we're wrong, but then it's a process of God working in our lives, and that's pretty much our whole lives, you know? He's working working in us and helping us to be more like Christ. So that's really cool. Um, so tell us about, um, you know, how did you d- end up getting involved and in feeling like that you were called to become the mayor, because that's a really big deal, too, is um, you're saved and you got into psychology. Um, so what led you up to deciding that you wanted to pursue political office? Well, it's it's really interesting. I um, <clears throat> I never really expected that at, at all. And I can't, I'm not going to go into it completely. Sure. But I was a I had a really nice life. I had to I developed a pretty nice life. I became a hospital administrator and I um Opened up a research company, and between those two things, I was making a great living. And I was living up in in uh, Alpine, and had a big house and a couple really nice cars. And I I was living the American dream. Yeah, and I had some trouble, and I, I felt unjustifiably, and I I kind of got on the wrong side of the government, and I got pulled into court. And I thought no problem because I'm completely in the right here. Yeah. So, um, you know, my any of my attorney said, yeah, yeah, you're you're in the right. You're, it's going to be fine. Sure. I was not fine. The government took everything from me. I lost my house. My business fell apart, which was not the government's fault. But it, at the same time, I think God was was just tearing me down at that point because mm. my, my business fell apart. I lost my job at the hospital. I had this 5,000-square-foot house. We had to sell it. I ended up moving into a 800-square-foot apartment, and um, everything was taken from me. Oh, that had to be devastating and for you. I was so upset and so angry that I decided that, you know what, I'm going to do something positive with this. And I decided to run for office because I wanted to make sure that people were not taken advantage of by government, not rolled over by government. Yeah, and, that, yeah. and that has been my uh, my mantra since I've been in government, to be a protector of the people and protect them from government. Yeah. Because I think government can be a, a wonderful thing, but I think it can be an onerous thing as well. Absolutely. Wow, that's a that's an amazing testimony. And well, by I, the way, yeah. God redeemed every part of that. I got everything back. I'm living a great life. This is like the story of Job here, right? I did feel kind of a Job-like character. <laughs> yeah. um, no boils, but... Uh, <laughs> well, that's good. Well, we're coming up on a break here. So my guest today is Bill Wells, and uh, just an all-around awesome guy um, who really just cares about people and uh, loves the Lord and has been uh, impacted by Christ and is now uh, returning that, what Christ has done to him, uh, returning that to others, too. So great guy. Stay with us. We're going to hear more of his story and how his faith affects his politics. We'll be right back. 
Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teaching. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. This is Throughout All Ages Ministry with Joe and Stacy. We would like to equip you to share the gospel with confidence in a biblical and effective way. We would like to teach you through the proclamation of the gospel. Whether you're the skeptic, God who created you said that he has made himself known to you so that you are without excuse. One-on-one evangelism. How do you think you can get to heaven? Never really thought about it, but I've always thought of, you know, doing good. For more information, go to throughoutallages.com, like us on Facebook, or visit us at YouTube at Throughout All Ages. When you need tires or service, count on Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service in Oceanside for a full range of affordable options in all the brands you trust. See their great customer reviews and special offers online. Hours Tuesday through Friday, 7.30 to 5.30, and Saturdays, 7.30 to 5. Call Dan and his team at 760-439-1631. Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service, 2405 Oceanside Boulevard in Oceanside, 760-439-1631. How much time and money do you spend buying lattes and espresso drinks? Express Fix Coffee invites you to discover super automatic espresso machines for your home or office. Enjoy delicious coffee drinks at the push of a button. Dave Martin and his local team help you choose the perfect machine for you. Call Express Fix Coffee for new or used espresso machines, repairs, parts, or accessories. Learn more online at expressfixcoffee.com. Call Dave at 619-825-3985. There's got to be more. Okay, welcome back to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you're enjoying the program. I am. I'm having a great time here. We're down in the studio, KPRZ Studios. And uh, my guest today is Bill Wells. He is the mayor of El Cajon, also a psychologist. He has an amazing testimony. Grew up in a family that where his father actually uh, committed suicide at eight years old. So he has a very uh, compassionate heart for those who are growing up in families that are Uh, struggling and just trying to survive. And he brings that uh, into his politics, into his, the decisions that he makes. And um, so Bill, I wanted to pick up where we left off. Um, You, you talked about how your life had been turned upside down. The government essentially came in and with a variety of other factors really uh, took everything you had built. And then you had to start over from scratch um, and you ended up uh, deciding to get involved in politics. You're, you're now the mayor. So, you know, I think a lot of people, um, especially uh, people that are involved in public service that maybe they're working in a government office somewhere. One of the big things that comes up in their mind all the time is separation of church and state and people hear this and they're afraid, Hey, I've got to be careful about, you know, taking my Christianity into the government or allowing my Christianity to influence the way I make decisions in government. And I wanted to hear your perspective on that because um, a lot of people, they, they feel like they need some guidance there. You know, what, what is appropriate? What is constitutional? What is morally yeah. responsible, you know? Well, I think a lot of that is fairly unsophisticated type of thinking in the sense of, um, of course, I can't go set up a theocracy. Yeah. I, I can't go set up uh, the kind of government where people are judged by biblical principles. Um, that's, 
I, I don't have the right to do that because this is a nation for and of the people. And there's a lot of people that live here that don't believe that. And, yeah. and so they shouldn't be held by those standards, just like I don't want to be held by a Sharia law type standard. Absolutely, yeah. But telling me that I can't be a believer or I shouldn't be a believer or I shouldn't pray or that I shouldn't use my my thinking, the brain that God gave me in the decisions that I make is is ridiculous. It's like saying leave your spleen at the door when you come when you come to the city <laughs> hall. I, I God is not um, a, an abstract concept to me. God is the creator of the universe. God is the person that I have a personal relationship, and I I know people don't like to hear that, but I I absolutely I don't believe in God. I know God exists. Yeah, it's it's a knowledge. Now I know that there's a lot of people that don't have that knowledge. And I don't push that on people. I, I never talk about Jesus or God in the in the council meetings. Yeah, you're not trying to convert people to Christianity there. Right? No, not no. at all. Not, yeah. not at all. And, I, and I'm, I understand the need to keep things in their perspective boxes. Yeah. But to, uh, I, I also think that the, the left, the people that are against this, um, go too far with this. And, you know, where they're trying to make the, the point that, well— if somebody uh, prays about a decision they're going to make, that's ridiculous, and we should laugh at that person. Um, well, that, that's that's so contrary to our all of our American history. Oh yeah, all of our presidents, including liberal icons like Roosevelt, uh, talked about. I remember listening to President Roosevelt asking the, the entirety of America to pray yeah. on, on D Day, yeah, you know, and saying pray for our boys that that, that our side wins. So I, I think that a lot of this uh, church and state stuff is a red herring mm. and, and and that people use that as just another way to bash uh, conservatives and, the, and to specifically bash people of faith. Yeah. Well, yeah, I know. I, the First Continental Congress actually opened in uh, prayer. They actually had a Bible study. I mean, I, I've looked into this myself pretty thoroughly. And um, I'm always uh, discouraged when somebody seems to think that they have to uh, leave God out of the issues. I mean – uh, when it all comes down, really, um, our compassion for the homeless, our compassion for those in poverty is driven by the fact that Christ himself said, hey, when you feed somebody, you're feeding me. When you give somebody a cup of cold water, you're giving me a cup of cold water. And without that, well, really, you live in a moral um, uh, kind of vacuum, meaning morality becomes whatever you want it to be. There's no guiding principle. But I'll, I'll give you I'll go even a little bit further and, and say a little bit more. One of the things I think is really wrong with politics, and this is on both sides of the aisle, is that people get really excited about being an elected official. And, you know, you get elected, you have a lot of ideals before you get elected, and then you get elected and you say, oh, I like this. You know, yeah. People say, yes, Mr. Mayor, no, Mr. Mayor, and they bring you a cup of coffee and they, they treat you differently and it's, not, it's pretty nice. Yeah. And so they start saying they get start getting defensive and saying I'm not going to say anything that's going to upset anybody. So they it's everything is right down the middle of the road, and I'm not going to take a stand on anything. I'm going to be you know just so you can't really tell how I think about anything. I think that's completely wrong, and I will tell people anybody who asks me, I will tell you I I am a, a Christ follower. I, that's me. Yeah. And if you don't like that, you have every right and opportunity to vote me out of office. But I've been open about this and my consultants have gone crazy and told me what are you doing don't, don't say things like that and my you know and other people tell me you know you, you, you should really keep that you know on the down low on that well um the f- first time i was elected to city council in 2008 i then got appointed the mayor and then i ran for mayor again 4 years ago and 
with all these things out in the open, and that's including me doing uh, prayer meetings every uh, January 1st on the first thing we did is, is on hey, Soledad. Yeah. We, we acknowledge God and say, you know, uh, I'm sorry, on Mount Helix, not Soledad. Mount about Helix. Mount Helix, right. Yeah. The first thing we do on, on New Year's Day is acknowledge God and say, uh, I want God's blessing on the city. We pray for the city. People knowing that, I got 84% of the vote. So I, I, all I'm saying is that I think people are okay with authenticity. Yeah. I don't think people are as hostile to uh, our religion and our belief system as, as uh, people would like to say. If you listen to Hollywood, they, it's like God doesn't even exist. And yeah. They, and he, if you're a Christian, you're just like a nutcake. But I think average folks um, are okay with a person of faith. Yeah. And even if they don't completely believe that themselves. And it doesn't offend them. It doesn't frighten them. And they're certainly willing to vote for somebody like that. I think Mike Pence is an example of that. Yeah. And several other people. Absolutely. Yeah. I, for me, it was inspiring and encouraging to hear you be so open. You know, when I got to hear you at the um, the prayer breakfast, the mayor's prayer breakfast and everything, sharing your thoughts and your feelings and everything. It's nice to hear somebody that's not trying to pretend they're somebody that they're not, you know, because you get used to people, like you said, they're trying not to offend anybody. So what ends up happening is they just become this person who's not really who they they are. And so um, you don't get to see them, uh, you know, for, for who they really are. And so I really value that and appreciate that. I think it's fantastic. Um, so... As far as the future is concerned, um, this is an election year, so you're running for office. So um, how can people who want to support you get involved with um, the, the mayoral race and the, these sorts of things? Well, if you go to my website, votebillwells.com, um, obviously uh, I'm a Republican. And uh, so if you want to be involved in the Republican Party, I, I think that's the right way to go. And by the way, I'd like to encourage people not only to vote but to run for office you know, when I first started thinking about running for office, I was really frightened by the concept because I honestly figured people that were in elected office were smarter than me and more successful than me and had so much more going on and that I would show up at the Republican Party and say, I'd like to run. And they'd say, OK, well, you know, you can stuff some envelopes. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> you know, we, we've got pros that are, that are running for office. Yeah. But that wasn't the case at all. Yeah. Um, it, people uh, – were very open to me. And there's so many spots that need leadership. There's so many, you know, I, I, Tony Kavar, I could tell you this, but there are still many, many spots, much more than you would think, that go unchallenged. Democrats just take it. They yeah. Just, they just, they, they come and they pay the filing fee and they win the, they win the election. Yeah. And, I saw this in the election about two years ago where I was looking at it and there were like almost, a, I, I think it was actually over a hundred seats that were up for grabs. Um, and literally nobody was running for office. Yeah, and some some of them are they're not the exciting seats. They're the, no. they're the water board seats yeah. <laughs> and the and the school board seats. But you know, the more I'm involved in government, the more I realize everything is uh, counterintuitive. Yeah, it, it, the things that you the offices that don't seem important make huge decisions. And, yeah, and sometimes offices like president don't affect your life that much. Yeah, and you don't you don't realize that um, sometimes as God's moving, you know, you, you, it, the Bible says, "Be faithful in the little things, and I will give you much." And so sometimes it's like you said, starting off on uh, the water, uh, working for the water district or whatever it might be. So, so if you want to run for office, pe- people out there, I would I would seriously consider doing it because it's it's a great ministry. It's it's really important. That's fantastic. And so um, if you're interested, you can um, check that out on uh, the RNC here in San Diego County. Uh, we've been talking about Tony Kavarica quite a few times here, so he's the guy to reach out to. And um, 
And we have, uh, are we, we're on segment four or five? We're on four. Okay. So we have one more segment left. Uh, Jordan here is helping me out, keeping me on track. And uh, we're going to be back. We're going to talk a little bit more with Bill Wells. What we've been talking about is his testimony, where he came from, uh, how he came from an atheist background, and then he accepted the Lord. And also the whole poverty issue. There was this big, huge uproar over um, the temporary, uh, you know, they wanted to prevent people from getting hepatitis A. And um, and then we've been talking about his Christian faith and how it integrates in politics. So stay with us. We've got one more segment left. If you have comments or questions and you'd like to reach out, please do so. Um, you can you can message me on Facebook or uh, just comment on, on the live stream there. And I'll uh, pick those questions up. And we can, uh, if you have something for Bill Wells, you want to ask him, this is a great opportunity to talk to the mayor. So uh, stay with us. We're going to be right back. For 36 years, Fastlane Kayaking has helped people like you experience everything that's great about San Diego. Fastlane makes fishing and water sports fun and easy. Hobie Cat kayaks feature a popular pedal system, not paddles, keeping your hands free as you fish. You no longer need to tow and gas up a boat to experience great San Diego fishing. Call or come in for your no-charge demo ride, 619-222-0766, fastlanesailing.com. At Dana Landing Marine. Arena across from SeaWorld, 619-222-0766. Luke Gibson of LG Equipment supports Educate for Life with Kevin Conover. Luke grew up in the construction industry and now serves LG's commercial and residential customers throughout Southern California. Whether you need grading, paving, hauling, demolition, on-site bulk water service, water trucks, tankers, and towers, call LG Equipment at 619-998-998. 0924. Learn more at lgequipment.com. 619-998-0924. Hi, I'm Marissa Conover, and I would love to help you buy or sell your home. I've worked as a realtor for more than 13 years, and as a San Diego native, my passion and experience will help make your move as peaceful as can be. Call me at 619-251-1577. That's 619-251-1577. Or visit Conover Home. Hi, this is Kevin Conover. Will you please donate to Educate for Life so we can share the truth of God's Word with kids in public schools? You can donate online at donatetoefl.org. The Bible used to be read in public schools on a regular basis prior to the 1960s. But today, most kids are completely clueless when it comes to the content and the historical and scientific accuracy of the Bible. Please help us by donating online at donatetoefl.org. Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teaching. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. I will cast my cares on you. Thanks for listening to Educate for Life today. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My website's educateforlife.org. If you are interested in really understanding the Bible, you want answers. Um, for example, why does the Bible talk about slavery in the Old Testament? 
Um, some people say, hey, it looks like God is really mean in the Old Testament. He wipes out all the Canaanites. What's going on there? Well, I've got answers for you. Really good, solid answers. If you have uh, questions about world religions, for example, how do we know the Bible's true and Islam's not? Or the Bible's true and what about Buddhism? All this stuff. I have a whole online school of apologetics. Apologetics is the Greek word for defend. And love to have you check that out. My guest today is Bill Wells. We've been having a fantastic time talking here. And um, I just really encourage you to get involved with um, voting this year. It is an election year. It's coming up here in November. And uh, we want to reelect Bill Wells. Uh, he has been a fantastic mayor, compassionate person, uh, knows tons about uh, government, running government, um, how to make good decisions. He's a psychologist, run his own business for a long time. Fantastic guy. If you yourself want to run for office, please get involved and um, run. We need more people to get involved uh, to make an, a difference and to make good decisions. And Bill, that's what I wanted to talk to you about this last segment. Um, you know, when there's a quote by Edmund Burke, it says, all that's necessary for, for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. And, you know, um, in the book of James, it says, he who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for him. And so, so um, I'm just wondering, you know, what are some of the laws that are being passed because there aren't good people making decisions uh, well here in California and San Diego? Yeah, well, if people really want to do something about homelessness, start in Sacramento and start yelling and screaming at your state senators and your uh, assembly people, and not necessarily the ones in the East County because they're trying to help you. But these really, really liberal uh, senators and, and assembly people are making laws that most people have no idea, and they, and they would be f- very frightened if they knew that that was the case. And I'll give you an example. Yeah. I had some 7-Eleven owners in my office a couple of months ago just screaming at me because uh, the homeless people were coming into their their 7-Elevens, taking coffee and some food and, and whatever they wanted and going and just walking out. And the clerks would yell at them and say, hey, you got to put that back. And they say, you know what? Call the police. I don't, I don't care. And they would actually sit on the stoop and, and eat their food and wait for the police. And the police would come. And they uh, the police would probably do nothing because there was really nothing they could do. If they felt really inclined, they would write them a ticket. They would say, what's your name? The guy would say, well, I'm John Doe. They say, no, what's your real name? Say, that's my name. It's John Doe. And they'd have to write him a ticket for that. They're for not, John, John Doe. For just lying. And, and they, they, cause they're not going to take him down to the courthouse. So they're going to take him down to the jail because the jail doesn't want him. They don't, they don't want to book those people. Yeah. And, they, and, and, they, and the, why not? Why don't they want to book those people? Cause they, they would be overwhelmed. There's so many homeless people. They, 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 they would just be, they would have to shut their doors. And the DA, they don't have the staff to start prosecuting people for that. And they, and the, the prison system doesn't want them anyway because they're pushing anybody out of the prisons. So I went and talked to my um, chief of police, and I, I said, what's going on? And I did some research. I realized that the new laws that California have passed has, allows you to steal up to $950 and have it be a misdemeanor, a only a citable offense. So you get a ticket. So you don't even go to prison or anything? No, nothing. So so what happens is the homeless folks have figured out they can just take what they want up to $950 with impunity, and they just take whatever they want. And the, the People can do nothing about it. And literally, a police officer uh, is going to give you a citation and say, don't do it again. Well, yeah, they're going to give you a citation. You're supposed to show up to court. But if you give it a fake name, you're not going to go to court. Yeah. And we, and a lot of these people don't. It's not like they have IDs on them or right. driver's license. So, so you know, it, it's, you know, and I'm sure that there's good intentions. Yeah. In, in Sacramento where, where they say, oh, we just we don't want to put people in jail. We There's a better way to 
to uh, deal with people who are breaking the law, but there isn't. Yeah. And when you make permissive uh, kinds of rules, like just like if you told your kids, um, eat whatever you want, go to bed whenever you want. I don't care. Yeah, you're a you know I, you're a, a a person that should make their own decisions. Yeah. And I shouldn't put my belief system on you. Um, what would your kids do? What would your nine-year-old do? It would be Pop-Tarts and Laffy Taffy and sodas and, and <laughs> asleep at two in the morning. And and, cavities all over the place. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I, you know, this is crazy. Um, and it's like you're saying, you know, um, the last interview we did, I just interviewed also Dean Broyles. Um, and he is litigating or he's uh, doing a petition because in San Diego Unified School District, they're promoting a sexual ed curriculum that actually promotes um, pornography. They actually have pornography links in the curriculum. And there's this kind of stuff going on. And if we don't have people that are, that are in office that are uh, concerned about these things, this is the kind of stuff that goes on. And then you were telling me about um, there's an increase in methamphetamine. All right. So this is, this is really important. This really affects every part of our life. And it's a huge part of the homeless issue because no matter what anybody will tell you, most of the homeless people are using methamphetamines. The reason is it's really powerful and it's really cheap. What happened? How do they get access to that so easy? So a few years ago, methamphetamine used to be made back in trailer parks and back in the, in the back country. Somebody would make it in their bathtub and it was very low quality and there was a, only a fair amount of it that was made. So the, the cost wasn't that, or was cost was actually pretty high. Um, then the drug cartels decided about three years ago they wanted to be in that business. And they built several huge industrial Johnson & Johnson type facilities where they made uh, industrial strength methamphetamines, very high quality, almost 100% pure, very low price, two-thirds less than what it used to cost. And they flooded the American market with it, specifically the border cities. So people now can get methamphetamines at a very low price and they get very addicted very quickly and it destroys their brains. They oftentimes become psychotic and they have to drop out of society. You may have noticed that there's a difference in the kind of pre- people you see being homeless now. Mm. Used to be when I was a kid, a homeless guy was usually a, a, you know, a vet, an older guy that would lay on the street and drink wine and have long hair and, and he'd be in his fifties to seventies. And that's what you normally thought of. Yeah. Now the homeless people are in their twenties and they're in their in their early thirties and they seem like they're college kids. And what happened was they got hooked on meth and they couldn't function as a society. Even in high school. Yeah. I, I have, I have uh, two friends that are school counselors. They say there's a huge increase in methamphetamine use in the high schools. Yeah. And it's, it's massive. It makes a lot of people psychotic. It destroys their brains. And these people now are much more aggressive. They're more violent. They're more uh, prone to commit crimes. And it's, that's why the homeless situation has seemed so much more difficult in the last 18 months than we've ever seen before. And by the way, El Cajon has seen about a 35% increase in homeless in the last 18 months, but beach cities have seen between 100 and 150% increase in homelessness in the last 18 months. Wow. So this is not just uh, your your national city, your, your El Cajon. This is now going to be La Jolla and Del Mar and Carlsbad and Coronado and places you would not expect. And uh, it, it I'm telling you that this problem is going to be what we're talking about for the next 10 years. Mm. It is the main problem that government has to face. Well, Bill, I'm really grateful for you being on the air and just sharing this. And um, I think it's so important that these messages get out there. And, you know, I, I believe that this is all actually, if we trace it backwards, I believe this is tied 
to um, our culture pushing the Judeo-Christian values out of um, society. I believe that ultimately it, it comes back to that, that the future generations, they need to know the Lord. They need to build uh, their lives on a firm foundation. Um, there's nothing like the word of God. Jesus Christ said, he who hears my words and put to, puts them into practice is like a man who built his house on rock. And um, when the storms of life came, that ha- house stood firm. But he who, who uh, hears my words and doesn't put them into the practice is like a man who built his house on sand. Um, when the storms came, that house fell with a great boom. But if they don't even get to hear the word of God, well, then there's nothing to build your life upon. So, uh, Bill, thank you so much for your testimony that you shared. That's incredible. Uh, so encouraging. Uh, please vote uh, Bill Wells. It's BillWells.com. VoteBillWells.com. VoteBillWells.com. The election's coming up in November. And uh, we'll be back again uh, next week. And uh, stay tuned. Follow my Facebook page if you want to see upcoming interviews. We've got all kinds of cool interviews coming up. Um, I'm going to be interviewing Dr. Steve Orzak, who is an evolutionist and uh, a Christian creationist uh, who is also a biologist uh, next week. And we're going to be debating on the evidence for the truth of uh, creation versus evolution. So thanks for tuning in, and I hope you have a fantastic day. Did you miss part of today's program? Don't worry, we're committed to helping you get the info you need. Okay, that was dumb, but for real, visit EducateForLife.com for podcasts and video recordings of the show and to sign up for the School of Unshakable Faith. Leave us your comments, compliments, questions, or concerns at 800-243-9719 or email KevCon at EducateForLife.com. That's K-E-V-C-O-N at EducateForLife.com. You will always be much more to me. Every day I wrestle with the voices that keep telling me I'm not right, but that's all.